I'm David Belson. And I'm Rachel Redan. And this is the Branding London Podcast. The first season is brought to you by Libro Credit Union, a group of epic humans focused on increasing prosperity in southwestern Ontario. They have just launched a new campaign, My Life Here, which fits the theme of this podcast quite nicely. To learn more, go to libro.ca slash mylifehere. Today we have Kate Young, MP for London West. I had a great conversation about what's going on in the city of London and uh, understanding her role as MP for our region. Here is Rachel with the land acknowledgement. We would like to acknowledge the history of the traditional territory and honor the longstanding relationships of the three local First Nation groups of this land and place in southwestern Ontario. The Ottawandaran peoples once settled this region alongside the Algonquin and Haudenosaunee peoples and used this land as their traditional hunting grounds. The three long-standing Indigenous groups of this geographic region are the Anishinaabe, the Haudenosaunee, and the Lenni-Lenape peoples. I'd like to recognize the three First Nations communities neighboring the city of London, Chippewas of the Thames First Nation, Oneida Nation of the Thames, and Muncie Delaware Nation. We continue to honor the legacy of the space we're in by using the Roundhouse to tell stories, increase collaboration, and work with our clients to improve human lives. We believe that telling the stories of our fellow Londoners will help bring us together to solve problems. First of all, for the um, for the listeners, name and position and function that you currently hold. I'm Kate Young, and I am the Member of Parliament for London West, and I'm also Parliamentary Secretary for the Minister of Science, mm. proud Londoner, proud grandmother, <laughs> proud awesome. parent, proud Londoner. Awesome. So we're, um, you know, obviously politics is fairly pervasive, but a question that I ask everyone is, um, how would you describe your job to someone who doesn't work in the industry? So what does it mean to be a parliamentary secretary, for example? Well, it's a it's a junior minister position. Mm-hmm. So if you um, see all the cabinet ministers, they need support. They can't be everywhere mm-hmm. all the time. So you're you're supporting a minister in a in whatever portfolio they hold. So science, that means that uh, I'm able to make a lot of great announcements on the part of the Minister of Science. Yeah. I represent her in the, uh, in the House of Commons during question period if she's not available. And so you need to be, uh, you need to be aware of what's going on in your portfolio and, and uh, to be on top of things and, and just uh, be prepared for, for anything. And, and whenever you're in politics, you, you do. You have to be prepared for anything. Absolutely. So, um, you know, Ministry of Science, um, you know, I saw you had did the uh, Let's Talk Science announcement yes. here. Uh, I guess that would be almost a month ago, mm-hmm. maybe. But, um, you know, what is that? At the federal level, what does it actually what do? <laughs> right. Well, I think what what we're trying to achieve uh, as a government is to underscore the importance of science and to make sure that decisions uh, are backed by uh, research. And one of the first things we did is we uh, we brought back the long form census. Mm-hmm. So that kind of gives you an idea of why we believe it's important to have have uh, information to base decisions on. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the things we did. But we were also putting money into uh, research and uh, scientific development because we believe that uh, that it's important for Canada to be a leader in many mm-hmm. fields. 
And so in our last budget, uh, we put uh, $4 billion into science, scientific research and to the funding uh, councils, the mm. granting councils. And that means that uh, in the long run, universities and colleges uh, like Fanshawe, like Western, will receive more money from uh, federal coffers to, to do fundamental science, long-term basic science. And you need the basic science in order to, to get the discoveries, to, mm. to have uh, what, uh, you know, what was thought of uh, 20 years ago as science fiction, like artificial intelligence. Well, our government back then did invest in artificial intelligence mm -hmm. and we're reaping the benefits now. Today, so yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's making sure that you're there for the scientists because we know it's long-term mm -hmm. and, uh, and we believe in it. So then, uh, you know, again, it's, it's maybe a role that everyone thinks that they understand, but uh, what does an MP, you know, do on, yeah. on a daily basis? Besides, yes. you know, podcasts and <laughs> talking to people in the community. Well, it's it's a, a wonderful uh, job because I, I get an opportunity to meet so many different people in the community. And I've, I've been a Londoner, I'd say, all of my life, with the exception of a year in Windsor when I was first getting into uh, journalism. But beyond that, it just is an opportunity to hear people, to find out what uh, what their needs are, to try and promote the city, which I, I think mm -hmm. is, is certainly something that you're uh, trying to do as well. And uh, there are so many things as a member of parliament that you deal with on an ongoing basis that I think I, I was surprised at. I, I uh, guess I didn't realize the number of immigration cases that mm. would come to the constituency office on mm. a daily, if not hourly basis. So uh, that is a, a big part of what you do is, is uh, what your constituency office staff do as well, is, is meet with people who, uh, for whatever reason, uh, are facing difficulty, whether it's with uh, immigration rules, with the uh, uh, CRA. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so there are a lot of different areas that we can help people with. And it, it you know, it, it's the serious things and it's also maybe your uh, mom and dad are having their 50th wedding anniversary yeah. or a, a significant birthday and they want uh, uh, something signed by the prime minister or the queen for that matter. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's something that you could get at our offices too. Yeah. So I have three people working in my London office and they are busy all the time. That's neat. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, an interface. You know, sometimes people don't... Um, you know, they interface a little bit more with their their local regional government, yes. municipal government. Uh, so is it fair to say that maybe you know if you're if you're at the federal level, you're dealing with some pretty significant life challenges. You know, immigration, CRA. Yes. Uh, but also, you know, I guess they can be positive too. That's an interesting reflection. Yeah, it's. Uh, I've always had. Um, I've been drawn towards federal politics, and I think that was because of my journalistic background. Mm. I just was very interested in how the world worked and functioned, and all of those decisions that make up uh, a well-run uh, one run country. And of course, uh, it's uh, something that you do touch people on a daily basis and you're right that most people think well you know i pay my taxes i want my my uh services to work so that's more uh, immediate yeah. but it can be immediate for federal and it can be uh you know we, we dealt with a lot of the syrian refugees mm -hmm. and uh making sure that they were settled and and those are you know uh heart heart both heart breaking and 
heartwarming stories mm-hmm. because you can see how they've uh, been able to uh, to make a, a home, a life for themselves in London. And you feel good about that. And you feel good about all the communities, the churches and every community in London that has reached out and helped these people mm-hmm. uh, uh, really um, find a place in London, find work and uh, get the kids in school and make a life for themselves. And I think that's what makes our community just so wonderful. We've always been open. When I was a teenager, uh, we were bringing in uh, what we called at that point the boat people. And uh, I watched my mom and dad, who were um, members of a church community, really help uh, the the boat people. And and the Vietnamese people stayed friends with them for Mm -hmm. years, right? And we watched them become parents and grandparents and and that's what what is great about canada to see all of the different cultures come together in harmony that's i know amazing. it sounds kind it's of a, a, a cliche, cliche or cheesy, but, but that's totally true it's yeah, so yeah. true when we're at our best i think as yeah. a city as a country as a province it really is honoring that the, uh, yeah inclusivity so i guess you know a, a question that sort of popped up listening to your your job as an mp um you know, maybe again, for those that don't know, you were a journalist, obviously involved in media. Um, maybe we can explain a little bit about your background and then uh, cap it off with how do it, is it more similar being going from journalist to an MP? Is it almost the same <laughs> job function? You're collecting information, collecting stories, yeah. and then, you know, representing those in the House of Commons, or is it a completely different experience? Yes. So maybe walk us through your, your career to the point of, uh, of jumping into to politics. Yes, it's, it's funny because when you are in journalism, I took broadcast journalism at Fanshawe College, mm-hmm. and uh, because in high school, I went to Westminster High School, and I, I loved writing, and my teachers were the ones that said, you, would, you should take this course at Fanshawe. It was just starting up at that time. This is back in the 70s when uh, women were just getting into broadcast journalism. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, it was, it was great. I, I loved radio. I worked in radio uh, for 10 years, for the most part, in London mm-hmm. at, uh, at what was CKSL and then CFPL Radio. And, uh, and then I started to have a family. And at that point, the radio station, the TV station were owned by the same company. Mm-hmm. And when I went back after maternity, um, they uh, recommended that I move into television, which is it, kind of odd thinking back. I really <laughs> didn't want to. I loved radio. Yeah. Um, but I, I went into television and my, and my timing was perfect because it was just at a time when women were starting to anchor the news mm-hmm. with their male counterparts and so i i started anchoring the uh, six o'clock news mm-hmm. on the local station and i did it for 18 years yeah, and yeah. and uh, i was getting to the point where i was uh, starting to think okay i either stay in this in journalism or i move to something completely different and i felt i wanted to change mm-hmm. and uh I, and so i decided uh to uh talk to some people in london who i knew and respected and and eventually, it took a number of years, but eventually I, I uh, was able to move into what is commonly referred to as public relations, mm-hmm. community relations. So I worked at TD Bank for a couple of years, and then I went over the Thames Valley School Board. I, again, in, in uh, community relations, mm-hmm. media relations, it, it, uh, it was a, a good progression out of journalism. Because the problem with going from journalism to politics is as a journalist, you're, you're expected not to have 
leanings one way or another, right. even though you do, and everybody yeah. does. Yeah. But you you try and and keep it or be aware of that bias, I guess. Be aware you, of the yeah. bias, but also not uh, not show it, and uh, be able to tell both sides of a story. Mm-hmm. And that's what I always felt, and and why I guess I, I am with. Uh, the Liberal Party is I feel like I'm able to hear both sides of an issue. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so then um, I got tapped on the shoulder, asked if I would be con- consider running. And I had thought about it for, for a number of years. And uh, it, I got to the point where I I would get, I was getting so angry that uh, I thought, well, someone should do something. And then I started <laughs> going, oh, wait a minute. Why don't you? And, uh, and there is a, there comes a yeah. time when you can there's only so much complaining you can do, and then you have to start to step up and say, "Okay, I, I'm 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 willing to to try my best to um, do my part to make London the best city that we can be," mm-hmm. and and so that's uh, that's what I ventured to do, and I was very fortunate. I was lucky, and it's all timing. It's uh, I'm not going to say it's all luck. It's uh, but it is. Uh, making those right decisions at the right time yeah. for the right reasons. So I'm going to maybe poke, you know, like just curiosity, but, um, you know, when you're in uh, party politics, uh, do you have to lose that part of you that's looking for both sides of the, the story? Um, or is that, are you able to express that in, in yeah. your day-to-day job as an MP? Oh, definitely. You're able to express that. And I, I think that's, that's something that uh, um, I think, is well versed in our caucus meetings is that you do get uh, people on both sides of an issue and, and uh, i think that's it, it makes uh decision making sometimes tough mm-hmm. and you you don't win every every battle uh but you uh you are hurt mm-hmm. and uh and i know that when people are upset with uh, a decision that's made by a government it doesn't have to be just ours it's any any government uh, you have to know that the people that are representing you are representing everybody in the community, yep. not just the people that voted for them. And so it's it's my job to listen to people who I maybe don't agree with, but say, you know, a lot of my constituents are concerned about this issue and uh, I may uh, I may not agree with them, but this is something that the government needs to know, mm-hmm. that this is a real problem. And how are we going to rectify it if, if this is something that... Uh, is is such an important issue that we we need to address is that i mean i, I don't know the workings of federal politics uh you know when you, you talk about the caucus meetings um i would assume those are closed off to the public so you're yes. able to have a little bit more yeah. <laughs> maybe can't you know uh you know our leadership team meetings here at our attraction you know one of the things um or boards that i've been part of you can have disagreements within that room but exactly. then it's kind of as soon as you go out of the room uh, it's more presenting the united front even if you don't agree with the right. decision is that yeah and that's oh, how it works and yeah. i think that's how uh, good businesses good companies and good governments work so how do you um, do the caucus debates get? <laughs> they can be yeah i know it's in that's a healthy discussion that's where the discussion needs to happen and uh, i think it would be uh wrong and i i i can't imagine you having a healthy caucus if if the caucus wasn't allowed to voice their their uh, thoughts and, and concerns and support for the government and uh, and that's what that's what makes a healthy democracy. Yeah, that's neat, yeah, because you know we only see the uh, more the united front, and I've always you know uh, the the political party system. Uh, mm-hmm. I have you know what's the polite way to put it? You know, I, I have concerns about 
uh, the way that M- MPs and uh, can represent their constituency. So it's you know, it's a reflection I haven't had that. Well, I, we may not, you know, we see a decision that's aligned uh, from the party perspective that may not be in London's best interest. It doesn't mean that you, Peter, and other members at, at the federal level aren't advocating and doing yes what they can behind the scenes ultimately maybe losing out the decision but and that's the thing is that uh i think people think that uh that everybody's just uh lockstep and you're you're following everything that your party decides but we are able to voice concerns and we do Mm. and um uh, i think uh i think it has uh tempered some of our government's decisions because it's not just peter and i or or it's right across the country you know and and it's mps uh from every different party and uh so i think in the long run you're getting better uh laws and uh because of that cool um so why why london you you, except for your brief tour to windsor we'll we'll allow that why why have you stayed here well that's uh you know it's my my mom and dad moved here when I was three, so I really have no recollection of Toronto where I was born. Um, my dad worked at Avro Aero and uh, lost his job along with 5,000 others on uh, that fateful day. He came to London because there were some uh, jobs. I mean, it, it was uh, at a time when there wasn't a lot of help. If you lost your job, you were pretty much on your own. And he had a young family, so mm-hmm. we came to London because there was... Uh, job at General Steelwares, and and so m- my dad was a draftsman, and um, then he what he eventually uh, it was tough for those first couple of years, uh, yeah. you know, and and uh, he finally became a teacher at uh, adult retraining, which then went into Fanshawe College. Um, my mom, uh, quite honestly, didn't like London to start <laughs> yeah. with. She was a big city girl, right? Mm-hmm. Grew up in the beaches in Toronto, and yeah. and it was tough because where we uh, had our first home, which was uh, uh, Beachwood and Baseline area, looked out the window and there were cows <laughs> roaming across the street. My mom thought, where have I landed, yeah. <laughs> right? But, you know, five years uh, from then, then she loved London and c- couldn't imagine going back to Toronto. So, uh, and we built a, a life here. And, and certainly I, as my, I raised a family here, I had, one of the best jobs anchoring the news in the city of my choice. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to leave to yeah, get the job yeah, yeah. that I wanted. Yeah. And that was, uh, that really was the reason I decided to stay mm-hmm. because I had, I had the job that really I, uh, most people have to leave their own home community to get. Yeah. It's interesting. So. You, may, you maybe circumvented that by Missouri <laughs> leave. <laughs> Yes. You have to leave the organization, maybe, that came in kind of through the the back door. I know. It it is, uh, you know, and then uh, my parents were aging and uh, my kids were growing up and I've, I love London. It's not, don't get me wrong. It's not that I haven't thought or or had opportunities. It's just at every, at every path, uh, a decision was made to stay here and I couldn't be happier. I really, uh, it's just wonderful that I'm able to, uh, to, to represent the people of London at, at this stage in, in my life. And we're all, uh, um, you know, at different stages and do mm-hmm. different things. Uh, but I think it's, it's really uh, uh, probably the best, the best job to have at this time. Uh, I hope, uh, 
I hope people agree with me that I'm doing a great job. But you know, you just uh, you just you'll uh, find out in a couple years. I'll right? find out in a couple of years. That's right. Another uh, eighteen months. Yeah. So uh, it kind of leads to the next question. You know, one of the things uh, in exploring this dialogue with the the community is recognizing that there's a lot of work to do in the community. We uh, um, there's a lot of progress that still needs to be made. So acknowledging that. Um, but then also looking at what we're doing, doing right. So um, sometimes there's a tendency to go back to, you know, what we're, what we're not doing and certainly, you know, exploring the, those avenues. Um, but the next question that I have uh, is, you know, what do you think London does um, better than anywhere else or that he does exceptionally well? You know, a lot of people talk about why they're, they're proud to be from London or that they love their city, but uh, my, a lot of us, including myself, have a hard time answering the why yes uh, yeah I don't, I don't know but so that's part of the ex- exploration of this is to ask people you know why um why, yeah. what's one thing that we do exceptionally well here in london what's uh what's the reason that kept you bringing back turning down offers to go to other mm-hmm. uh, anchor other cities you know those types of decisions that you made what kind of kept you here and what do you think that we do that's that's amazing here in london well i, I think we're going back to that cliche but it's a great uh city to raise a family mm-hmm. and i know we've heard that before is that enough well that's a that's a major reason to to stay in yep. a, a community is to know that we have good schools and uh and uh and when i say the word community I, i've often thought i represent london west so you're talking old south mm-hmm. so that's a community within a city uh byron is a community within a city hyde park again yep. uh Old North, mm-hmm. East London, you know, Old East Village. All of these are communities within a city. And I think they they make us feel very attached to our the area that we live in. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it is kind of odd when you, you look and you go, oh, um, I'm going to go to the, uh, I'm going to go to North London to go to something or East London, it's what, 10 minutes away? And yet we act like it's, <laughs> yeah, a, it's, it's a long way. Yeah. And But we do tend to uh, stay within our communities. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's a bad thing. No, I agree and I, I think it's great to be able to go and have a coffee on a Saturday morning uh, in Old South and see people and talk to them and stop along the way. Yep. I love that about London. I love that feeling of I guess it is that small town type of feeling. And I know there's always been that, are we a big town or a small city? And I don't think it matters. All I think it matters is uh, that that we're maybe different from other cities in that way, in that we can keep that feel of a small town. So the feeling of a small town, but still, you know, amenities of a a big city. Right, yeah. Yeah. So I guess, you know, my... uh, my only challenge point on that, and again, I'm exploring. I don't, I don't have a better answer myself. <laughs> Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing this project. But um, you know, you, you know, like for example, your your family moved here because of the opportunities that that happened. Um, so you know, a good quality of life is great, but we have to have uh, meaningful employment, meaningful engagement exactly. for people to to do. Um, and if you can compare and contrast to other cities, um, there's say better narratives but different narratives around at least some sort of concept you know waterloo is the one that i held out you know i think it's done a great job it's a similar size city that you know it's, it's well known that if you're interested in technology uh, and that's on the global scale that waterloo mm-hmm. has that mm-hmm. uh, my concern with um you know london 
saying, you know, it has a, a great quality of life. Is I do feel like other communities, uh, I grew up in Goddard, she can say Goddard says Stratford yep, has yep. an amazing quality of life too. Um, there's they're different experiences. Um, so I'm wondering if that's, is that uh, enough of an attraction retention oh, no. yeah. strategy? So that's kind of what I'm poking at. Like what else is there in, in London? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that's sort of come up uh, is in the business community is that, um, the one degree of separation or the the mm-hmm. ability for people to connect uh, in meaningful ways to collaborate and, and get things done um, so that's why you know i have the the theory that i have out is the maybe we're really good at human innovation or, yeah. or connecting humans to other humans um, so curious have you seen any of that type of thing in, in your travels both in the business community and as, as an MP the, the ability for us to come together mm-hmm. uh, case study you know innovation works how quickly that building came right. up most recently and, yeah. and things like that do you have other examples have you seen that is that a, a good hypothesis or a terrible one no I think exploring? it's a, no I think it's definitely a good hypothesis and it's one that uh, I think melds well with what I said about a, a good place to live yeah. and work and uh, and I think that there are a lot of different uh, things bubbling up that have been bubbling up as you say for like 10 years and yep. you know and and it's a slow bubble right yes. it's not the blackberry no and we and and we can't wait for the the blackberries of the world yep. to come here what we have is uh, a lot of smaller, very innovative uh, companies and uh, businesses and uh, community members who who get it mm-hmm. and who are working together. I think uh, partnership, collaboration, communication is so important mm-hmm. to to say yes. You know, if you can't come to London, you'll be able to get this, this, and this, and you you hardly have to go very far yeah, to get that. Um, I, it's something pops into my mind. I, I spoke to a young man. He would be in his early 30s who uh, had just recently moved to London from Toronto. Mm-hmm. And um, it, this was at an event that I was attending. And you talk to a lot of different people. And um, I, I told him that I was a member of parliament. And he, he said, oh, my gosh, I, I can't tell you how happy I am to have moved to London. Mm. He was in a position where he was uh, had a young family but was in his car commuting to his job, yep. uh, got a, a job offer here, moved his family, has uh, what he considers a great home in in the White Oaks area mm-hmm. compared to what he had before. His He was almost in tears wow. saying how, how wonderful it was to actually be in a city where he now can enjoy life. And it's it sounds, as we go, we keep going back to that <laughs> cliche, but you know what? Now, he has the job. Yes. And he was motivated to come here uh, by other people who had similar experiences. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the number one. If you, if you don't have the jobs to come to, then, then it's going to be tough. Yeah. I've talked to uh, people who are uh, trying to get people. Uh, they need people in the IT business. They, yep. you know, and, and, it, and they're struggling to even get these people to come. And, and so we have to do a better job of being able to train and keep the people here. Uh, Whether it's from uh, Fanshawe or the university, I'm always very concerned, especially with the numbers from Western, that 80% of people who uh, who uh, are um, get their education here leave. And I would love to be able to say that that is going down uh, because we need to keep 
the brains here mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and make them feel, as I did, that there was a future here for me. Yeah, and, no, and that's I it. Totally agree. And I think this is where I'd say you know, uh, maybe a branding strategy uh, the approach that I'm taking. Because if you look at, again, if you're a tech company in Waterloo and you're trying to attract talent to Waterloo, you know, you wouldn't have to do that much of even a hard sell of that person. Where as if you're London companies, um, you know, we really struggle with you should come here um, because we don't, you know, we don't, again, have that collected collective identity mm -hmm. you know, except around you know it's a great place uh to live but yeah, I, my sense is that waterloo would have a, some of the similar narratives right uh you know obviously those prices are going to be higher uh, more traffic you know proximity yeah. to toronto mm -hmm. and some other things but generally speaking um i don't know that there's that much of the differentiation so that's you know where i started this four years ago you know video ranting at city hall just rewatched <laughs> uh was around recruitment and retention you know help us uh i was asking city council to endorse the london plan and to really help us brand the the city in some way um to have a vision that, that we can mm. we as employers could use to recruit people to the city and still haven't seen um significant enough movement i know there's been some great work like the flex street at dundas street i think pockets like innovation works um western and Fanshawe are engaging in the downtown mm -hmm. which is really exciting so i think we're starting to see some of that but uh you know as an employer i, I still continue to have the concern that it's a real uh tough sell to get somebody who's not familiar with london to come whereas i think right. other communities that do a better job of, of branding mm -hmm. have that challenge can i ask you then what do you think as politicians that we should be doing better uh, to to <laughs> oh, that's uh, a great question yeah um you know, I really think it's uh, it's advocacy outside of the, the city. So, uh, you know, I don't know to what extent it's even possible to uh, to talk about London. You know, when you're making funding announcements, obviously, in uh, in the other places, maybe cliche to talk about the other cities. Uh, but, you know, again, awareness and caucus. And I, mm -hmm. and I think um, there's always opportunity to invest through funds in, in southwestern mm -hmm. Ontario. I think sometimes we're a little bit too humble and don't ask enough uh, of our government. You know, you may disagree because you're getting the requests, but um, there's maybe uh, a lack of funding and, and support that comes in uh, to raise the profile. So look, and to be honest, you know, engaging in, in projects mm -hmm. like this, because I think putting us up on the national stage uh, is great. The, you know, the uh, one of the case studies I looked at was the, um, the five of the top 50 growth companies under the Deloitte Fast 50 list were from London. And mm -hmm. how do we tell that story uh, to a broader a broader narrative that there really is, you know, from an employment perspective, from a family perspective, from an innovations perspective, that there's some really exciting things going on here. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's, you know, really one of those one conversation at a time things and, and the ripple effects that kind of come from that. So making sure that um, when we're representing ourselves outside of the city, be you're an MP business leader, uh, MPP, whatever it is that we're always sort of talking uh, about some of the exciting things that are going on in the yes. city. And, and again, I'm hoping through this these dialogues that we can come up with a couple of threads of conversation that we can all point to to say this is what's exciting about London. So again, I have the, the theory, which is the human innovation, but you know, what's going on in London? Oh, we're doing so many great things to improve you know, the human quality of life from med tech to digital media engagement to storytelling, mm -hmm. you know, some of the, the video game stuff um, that's happening. You mm -hmm. know, we're really making the human experience better out of London. Something like that would be, you know, at least hopefully elicit oh tell me more that you know i thought london was financial or automotive and and those sectors are great and i'm not 
uh, saying anything negative about them, but there's there's so much more going on mm-hmm. uh, in the city that you know you have the reputation across Canada is still that we're a financial center or a uh, an automotive center that's that's a, an aged narrative that is still true in pockets, right? Um, but I don't think represents the whole of, of yeah. what's going on in the city. Well, and and you're right in that we have to change the narrative because right now the narrative is that we've lost a lot of our manufacturing base. Yeah. And and that we're struggling uh, to to get that back. And and I mean, I I uh, knew when I went into this that I didn't want to lose any more manufacturing, right. but we had to uh, find ways to to uh, uh, find other types of manufacturing and businesses to fill that gap. Yep. And we're still working on that. And uh, and I think that's where we can work together and 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 change the narrative so people realize that london is uh more than what it used to be and we have changed and i think i from being here all all my life i i can say that i have seen london grow up Mm. it really has and it's it's a far more interesting city than it was 20 years ago Mm. and and we have to uh celebrate that diversity and and constantly remind ourselves that we aren't the London that we were and that unfortunately the people um, who don't know London very well still think of us as a very white Anglo-Saxon mm. old money uh, mm-hmm. city or town and 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 that's unfortunate and we need to make sure that they hear that uh, we're much more than that and I thank you for at least <laughs> trying well, to to get us talking about yeah. this and and uh and and making sure that uh, as a federal politician that I uh, I push that narrative because we need to make sure that people uh, know that London isn't uh, isn't the same as it used to be and we're far more exciting and interesting and uh, Can we maybe, innovative. Yeah, let's innovative is a good word. Um, so actually, you know, my next question is, you know, what does innovation mean to you, and in what ways, you know, I it's interesting because you you know you have a pretty broad spectrum of telling the news and telling the story about london almost every night yeah um you know what is uh how has london changed from an innovation lens mm-hmm. um you know you mentioned diversity and, and other things like that mm-hmm. you know, how has the city changed um in ways that excite you over the past 20 years like let's explore that a little bit well i think certainly because of my uh my role with uh, the science ministry i i have had the opportunity to see all of the different research that's going on within the city. And uh, I think uh, people would be surprised at, at everything that's happening mm-hmm. uh, that we, we don't really know about. That, you know, you talk about the media always uh, tending to focus on the negative and not the positive. Mm-hmm. And I, I've always felt that is true. Uh, it's just how do you sell the positive and how do you get people to listen and be interested mm-hmm. and 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 so uh, we can't uh, I've always felt we can't expect the media to tell our story mm-hmm. um, because if you uh, expect the media to do it then it's not going to be done the way that you really need mm-hmm. it to be done so um, I think that uh, that we have just incredible stories and you know we we tend to fall back on the ones that uh, that are near and dear to our hearts, like uh, Banting House, mm-hmm. and uh, and and we have the Can- Canadian Medical Hall of Fame here, and these are all great institutions and great stories that we tell. But there are new stories mm-hmm. that we need to need to get out there, and uh, and so I think it's uh, it 
behooves us to make sure that uh, that we uh, inform people, inform Londoners about uh, the research that's going on that, you know, you, you don't know whether it's going to uh, create new um, uh medicines or we're still we're too far away from that but at least we're we're asking the questions and as a government we're prepared to put money behind these uh these great uh research programs that are underway so i think it would be it would be fascinating to to just do a story on all of the things that are happening in london that people are not aware of Mm -hmm. and um um i um i think there's a lot out there and something that I think would be certainly uh, eye-opening to a lot of Londoners. My theory is that, you know, if you look at this, you know, obviously what BlackBerry and OpenText did in Waterloo, uh, that if you were to combine the impact of all the different organizations, either publicly funded, you know, healthcare research institutes, you know, C-Star, Robarts, um, and, you know, what some of the, the private businesses and industries are doing, if you were to combine up that collective impact and, and change, it's, it's probably on the scale or even maybe more so than a, what a BlackBerry's done. It's just, oh, yeah. it's not consolidated. It's distributed across multiple industries, multiple types of funding. So I think that's the challenge in telling the story with, with BlackBerry and RIM. It was, you know, an easy story to tell because there's right. 50,000 people in one one campus and one yeah. building on a publicly traded company here you have a thousand stories uh you know of success and of a really neat impact mm-hmm. you know like all you have to do is hang out at the siller center and uh, in that community up there to see some remarkable things that are happening but how do you make that digestible to somebody who's working at an automotive plant and is worried about the future of, of their ability to take care of their family in yes. the city and get excited about that because there's not really one anchor anchor story no that's it and that's the the challenge that we've always had in london is how do we tell a story when there are you know it's a it's almost i'm trying to think of an analogy it's like a a a book of short stories Mm -hmm. right and and um, so how do you sell that? <laughs> so, <laughs> That's a good question. We should call, uh, was it Len Silverstein or you know, maybe a poet who successfully, collect, you know, maybe that's, it's actually a more of a collection of poems, short poems or something yeah, like that. Yeah, a collection but, of, yeah. And, and it's the sum of the parts, yeah. right? And, um, and I don't think that's bad. I think, no. uh, I think that's, but I think we've been challenged with telling that story for so many years. I've been involved over the years with a number of different um uh, projects to try and sell the city, to try yeah. and, you know, do videos and, you know, and yeah, they were yeah. all in, at, at their time, you felt, okay, th- this yeah, is it. Really, I love the Ambassador London campaign yeah, when it started. I, and, that's right, um, yeah. You know, to a certain extent, I guess this uh, this interview process in this spot is almost, at, you know, echoes of that and I don't, you know, some things happened with that campaign that, uh, you know, I don't want it to necessarily taint this process with some negative emotions that maybe consolidated that but it really started with the hey we have some really cool things going on uh, yeah. here in the city and, and let's celebrate that um and i won't go into why you know that that initiative had some challenges but um you know so my approach is to actually maybe go back uh and be a little bit more transparent about uh, creating the the content that supports an ambassador of london because i th- or, you know again i would, <laughs> wouldn't use the same campaign but um that there's a, there's a narrative, there's a story that people can start to connect to and, and connect the dots. And I'm, I, mm-hmm. I use words like hypothesis and theory um, because that's, you know, what I, th- I, I like the scientific 
process, um, which you know, it's good that I'm talking to somebody from the science <laughs> ministry. But like, this is an idea. Let's test that idea. Let's let's poke at it. Let's see the flaws in mm-hmm. it. Um, but maybe out of that process, we can come up with something. So yeah. I'm finding away the uh, the anthology of short poems kind mm-hmm. of idea because I think maybe that's part of the solution is that there's not one universal story um and i think that's like other, pro- like probably been Calgary our oil and gas and yeah uh you know edmonton uh, you know tried to brand themselves around being a great sports city and then they haven't really done much <laughs> with their sports team so that was maybe a, a miss um on their their side but you know um uh, and well then, yeah you, you talk about sports in london we're doing very oh, well amazing we've, uh and and music we've got yeah. the junos coming up so we've got a lot of different yeah. things and uh and I think that's that's in itself is is a real draw and because at, it's not just one focus. Look what's going on with the Grand Theater as well, and uh, you know something like uh, their latest video got 350 shares on Facebook, which um, you know I haven't seen anything that viral. I don't know if that's the right term, but um, that shared uh, mm-hmm. in London since I've been here, and I'm pretty involved in social media. So, um, and I would you know. Four or five years ago, I, if you had said that you know the uh, the impact that Grand Theater would have on its social media following would be that good, I'd say, well, I, that that's not really that plausible. So there's a, an appetite to engage in culture mm-hmm. here. Um, so it's why you know, I, I really feel like Len is on the, the edge of a, a renaissance or mm-hmm. a uh, a resurgence, um, but I don't know what it what it is like or what it is well you know my son's an artist and um went to halifax and loved halifax Mm -hmm. and really he went to nazcat and i thought okay he's not coming back that's that's (laughs) it we've lost lost him and and he did come back for a summer and uh and was shocked at how much london had changed in those six years as an art a a place where an artist could find a community and you know he uh, he decided to stay mm-hmm. and raise a, uh, met his wife and raise a family and really is doing well within the arts community and feels good about the arts community yeah. and feels a, a renaissance a, a bit of a throwback to the '60s mm-hmm. with the Greg Kerno and Jack Chambers yep. and 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 it is a really thriving community right now and certainly I think. Uh, I think that's something we need to celebrate as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, um, I I think there's, if anything, we have a lot of great stories to tell. It's just that it's not one narrative. And that's yeah. what we have to, I, I think maybe we just have to get away from trying to find one narrative. I agree. You know, I think, you know, I've been involved with a couple of things over the years, the technology leaders of council at tech clients. And, you know, we, yeah, a lot of, you know, we just need that one anchor, you know, great story. Um, but I actually think that, you know, Waterloo kind of shows why that's potentially even dangerous. Although, right. you know, yeah. they've, they've rebounded from, from RIM's challenges. But um, that I, maybe that's actually not the right answer for us. And that mm-hmm. it is our ability to be diverse, um, both mm-hmm. uh, hopefully, you know, one day we can make the claim that we're a culturally diverse city and open and inclusive, um, but also from a diversity of economic perspectives and mm-hmm. that we don't have one dominant industry but we have some really exciting things and and is there that thread or that that common storyline that binds that, that story mm-hmm. together is, is yeah really interesting no i think that it is a, a great conversation 
to to have and i'm so glad that you've uh, invited me to be a part of your conversation yeah. so it's, at this point uh you know i'm, co- I'm cognizant of time mps apparently have uh, other things <laughs> to do uh in the day so the one thing i really like to do is um you know, offer you the opportunity is there is there something we should have talked about uh through this lens that we we didn't or uh, yeah i i think uh we have uh Certainly, I think we've avoided in the last, I don't know how many minutes, talking about transportation, which I thought, I thought, how could we talk about uh, London and not talk about transportation? But Yeah, you're, you're funny. You're the second, apparently, I have a, a reputation on that front. Um, yeah. I, I mean, that to me, that's the, the London plan uh, was based on uh, in, in fill and, and not paving over the great farmland that we have around us. And um, the transportation network was really key to that plan. Um, so, you know, two initiatives I'm excited about um, are improving our, our local transit, but then also the regional um, high-speed rail initiatives um, to connect us to our, our communities. Uh, I was with Steve Bolton from um, Lero earlier yet, or yesterday, and he, uh, he commented about the Southwestern Ontario economic you mm-hmm. know, unit. He sees that, that that's a, a future for us, and I think if we can... Um, very rapidly even get connected to our neighbor in Waterloo. Um, I think the combination of what London has to offer and what Waterloo has to offer, we can even just be physically connected um, through, you know, hubs and spokes. Um, That's really exciting to me to to think about how collaboration between our two cities could happen. And then, of course, some obvious advantages being connected to Pearson and and things Mm -hmm. like that. But, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you know, regionally, um, I think if you look at, uh, for me, the, transit again i falls under the recruitment and retention issue if you look at millennials if you look at uh you know how do we keep people in the city um a lot of them don't want to own cars um don't Mm -hmm. see their future in being uh, owning a car um you know eventually you know the automotive vehicles or self-driving vehicles will take care of that problem for them but there's a gap um Mm -hmm. and uh you know you we can have debates about whether that gap is five years or or 20 years between, you know, mm-hmm. um, but I, you know, I think having the infrastructure to support uh, mass transit, be that self-driving, driven by humans, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. The infrastructure in a city to be able to support uh, priority lanes and things like that for, for mass transit initiatives is, mm-hmm. is key to having a vision for the city. And I think one of the challenges that we have as a city is we don't have a vision for the city. So it's harder to align yourselves to initiative like bus rapid transit or a high speed rail um, because there's no vision. There's uh, whereas if you said, no, we want to build a you know, technology community or digital media community or a human innovation community. And we to that, we need to make sure that we move the number from 80% to 60% on, on students that leave the city after graduating from Waterloo. Then we have to think about, okay, what's a, a millennial friendly or a 20 year old friendly city looks like well that mm. has to have a, a transportation component first and center if we want to be a retirement community for people who uh, who love their cars then that's a different strategy right. maybe that's okay then we need more parking lots and uh, and that's fine but you know that's not the vision i have for the city um, but there's certainly a, a worldview of the city that says no we want to be dominated by the people who who continue to want to drive their cars and i want to drive my car and that's a valid Mm-hmm. consideration mm-hmm. um but we're not thinking about the next generation you know it, it doesn't take much googling to find the statistics that really people don't want um and then the, the newer generations are less and less inclined to want to own a vehicle and with student they 
loans they can't even necessarily afford them too right mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Uh, they can't afford them they're inaccessible and so they're going to leave to cities that have better transportation yeah. options unfortunately you know with what's going on in waterloo and again i'll use that as a comparative city they have a, are going to have a really good compelling mass transit system so even if you don't want to go to toronto there's a good small city option if you're a recent grad that you don't want to buy a car you can go there mm-hmm. in london you basically are currently forced to buy a car if you want to have a, mm-hmm. a quality of life in london um, and I think eventually that will drive newer generations out of our city. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you were asking me a question or if you wanted to talk about it. <laughs> no, no, I, I, no, I, I think it's great to have this conversation, and I, I, I agree with you. It's uh, we're at a bit of a turning point. I, I like how you mentioned, you know, there is a bit of a, a gap, or you know, if, whether it's five or ten years. Uh, I, it, there's no question that we need better transit, yeah. and what that means for not only inwards the city of london in itself and beyond southwestern ontario uh something has to change mm-hmm. and and as a federal government we've come forward and said yeah we we it's believe in it. london yeah. and and we're ready to invest uh but we still haven't uh got to the exactly what that plan is and well, and we and so that's where we are right now and and i'm i'm sure uh, that uh We'll have a, as a federal government, they'll take a look at the BRT and we'll see how this all rolls out, if I could <laughs> use that. Yeah, that was nice fun. Yeah, well done. Yeah, uh, yeah. and um, uh, it's uh, timing, right? Yeah. For me, so. um, you know, I think this would be a slam dunk if uh, there weren't some uh, counterpoint, counter voices. Um, I'm just concerned, you know, uh, with the evolution of social media and digital media, I mean, it's great. We we love it. We we work with it all the time. But there's a um, a real divisiveness in echo chambers that can exist on both sides mm-hmm. um, of the of the uh, the system. Um, and I think sometimes we don't have uh, the intellectual dialogue because there are some valid concerns with any system. Um, mm-hmm. and Kate Graham was on again yesterday, and she used the example of the you know the butt gardens and how divisive oh that issue yeah. was. Um, and you know, I still think there's some lenses that would look at that decision and say it was a it was a bad decision for the city. But I think the vast majority would say no, it was a good thing. It was the right place to put that downtown. Um, but that was a very heated, divisive oh, yes. debate. So yeah. I, I feel like this transit is the same uh, thing. But unfortunately, in today's world, we're not crossing it and, and talking to people um, who have differing opinion. We're entrenching and um, and. Mm-hmm. Be more divisive than uh, trying to understand what those issues are because there's valid issues and valid concerns. There is no plan for a uh, change in the transit system in London that isn't going to uh, annoy uh, <laughs> some people. Oh, absolutely. And and I, I think in politics you learn that, that you can't do anything without getting someone upset. Uh, but uh, there are more reasons if to stay where we are is just not palatable and and so we need to change and and yes there are going to be dissenting voices and no matter what the plan is yeah agreed so well and i definitely you know appreciate the the federal government coming in the provincial governments lined up we've got the municipal government so uh, you know i think if we weren't heading into an election cycle as well and things would be different uh, i'm really hoping that um it doesn't become a ballot box issue because it should be a me- decided matter of council but mm-hmm. uh, that's that's politics right so it's uh <laughs> it is politics yeah. and uh there have been times when i've said 
I'm really enjoying politics except for the politics. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. But that's, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. just part of the beast. Yeah, there's, uh, I, I think again, you know, part of the, the hope that I'm trying to have, and I'm, I'm starting with people who uh, I know and, and have connections with um, and inviting, but really want to invite people who maybe even have dissenting views on on my theories um because i think having the conversation the dialogue is really what's important it so is. I'm, I'm thinking about doing something similar with uh, the rapid transit initiative um just to have some um some good honest debate uh, mm -hmm. around some of the perceived challenges um and sometimes you know i've been known to change my mind <laughs> on things maybe <laughs> there is a reason that bus rapid transit is a is a bad idea uh the plan that is out there i mean i was a big fan of the light rail initiative and wish that had gone forward it might have made your job a little harder on the funding side but i was okay with that um <laughs> but okay. uh yeah you know it, ultimately you know my plan preferred plan didn't work out but you know the secondary mm -hmm. plan is good and um i've looked at uh you know a number of facts and figures and analysis and you know there's always going to be some variance and some flaws and some assumptions that everybody made but that's it's good it's been good work, um, so that's where I'm concerned that there's a there's a counter narrative that it's not there. So you mean that I'm missing something completely, uh, which is totally possible, or uh, mm -hmm. there's a there's misinformation, or, or people haven't you know analyzed the the facts. Um, so really discovering which three of those is because if it's if it's my perception that's wrong, certainly understanding that I think is is really good. Mm -hmm. And people, I find myself sometimes included entrench themselves in the idea that they they support too quickly and don't keep an open mind to the other right. side yeah. of the aisle yeah at some point though you do have to make a decision yeah and hopefully we're there <laughs> yes. i hope we're there but well yeah you know we we do have to move forward yeah i agree and uh rapidly move forward <laughs> maybe perhaps yes all right well with that terrible pun uh we'll thanks so much for coming in i know you've got a, a head out so uh you appreciate you. you coming by and it's a great great dialogue yeah thank you very much david i really appreciate it thanks and so had much. fun david and i have put our time into recording the branding london podcast because we love this city and more importantly the people in it our traction decided to produce this podcast because this work is aligned with our core focus of amplifying great stories to increase relevance impact engagement and momentum if you'd like to support us, you can visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash brandinglondon. Your generous support will help us to promote this season into more channels so that more people can hear London's good news stories, and it'll help us fund future seasons. To find recaps, videos of some interviews, our Patreon link, or more information about us in this podcast, you can visit ourtraction.com slash podcast. Production assistance for this series was provided by Webisodes. Special thanks to Adam Kaplan for his help with recording the live streams and providing the audio from those interviews. We're also grateful for the technical production support of Michael Dales. Thanks for listening. Like what you hear? Subscribe to the Branding London podcast, like our traction on Facebook, or follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah.